Take your Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to begin right around verse 17, and we're going to take a running start and try and get as far as verse 3, but we'll see how that goes. So I'm going to read to you verse 17. It says, and if you call on the Father, who with our partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves through your time of your stay here in fear. Would you pray with me real quick? Lord, in Jesus' name, would you encourage us now through your word, through your spirit, through your body? Would you breathe new life into these dry bones? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Uh, Guys, don't forget that Peter is addressing his letter to a group of people who are seeing the known world at that time and the known ruler of that world, Rome, slowly implode and come unglued from the inside out. Can you imagine being part of a generation where you see the major superpower of that generation come unglued from the inside out? Can you imagine what that would be like? Somebody's listening. Yeah, it would be like 2021. Not only was Rome coming unglued, but the religious freedoms that they've enjoyed were being eroded and taken away from them slowly. Can you imagine if the religious freedoms that you enjoyed were slowly encroached upon? What would that be like? Be like January 3rd. There was in that day, Peter was writing to them, constant social and racial political pressure and corruption from all over the place. You couldn't trust anybody and everything was coming. There was rioting and there was protesting and there was an economic inflation and everything. And, and, and so Peter writes to them, First Peter, in order that they wouldn't get it twisted as they were losing their jobs, as they were living under threat of disease and economic collapse. And uh, luckily, we can't relate to any of that stuff in our day. We have steaks to grill on our Weber, but uh, we can at least glean from what it might have been like in their day. And the reality is God wants to speak to us so we don't forget what he's doing. And Peter's big idea, I want you guys to understand this, is that at, if you're a Christian, I'm gonna read verse 17 again. He says, and if you call on the Father, stop right there, eyes up here. Call on the Father. You're a child of God. If that's who you are, you're at the 9 a.m. service, you guys are you're watching the 11 a.m. service, whatever the case, I know you, you're, you're Christians. And if you're not a Christian, man, you gotta become one. Become born again. Today's your day to get saved. And if you're a Christian and you call upon God, then you're just like me. You're stuck here in what we call now process. How many guys are still in process? You're under construction. You're, you know, you're a progress in work. You're a Christian. You're saved. Your past sins, present sins, future sins, all been accounted for and provisions made, but you still got some work to do. You're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 17, he instructs, if you call on the Father, then conduct your time here, your stay, your sojourning, wandering in fear. The idea there is soberness and respect an awareness of his thereness. We're gonna call it work it out. Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, Peter knew all about working it out, didn't he? Okay, Peter had been called by Jesus. His name had been changed. He said, you're a fisherman? Cool. Now you're gonna be a fisher of men. Follow me. And Peter, after one mistake, after another, found himself steadily, slowly, but surely growing. As a matter of fact, if you guys know, one of my favorite verses to quote is out of 2 Peter, the very last verse. It's Peter's last verse he would write right before they would kill him. And you know what he says? Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory both now and forever. Now grow, keep growing. Here's Peter in his olden days, his olden age he'd seen. We sang some songs about the cross and about the tomb and about the blood. And we took communion, we did that. And as I was singing down here, those songs with you guys, I imagine Peter who literally saw Jesus. 
He saw the cross. He saw the tomb. He saw the blood. He saw his friend. And it made Peter, Peter. And it made Peter the man he was, the pastor, the friend, the leader, the writer of this epistle. So when he tells us what to do, he knows best because he'd seen Christ in the flesh. And now he says to this group then, remember how he addressed this? He said, you haven't seen him yet, but you love him. You haven't known him in that way that I did, but you follow him. And he exhorts us. I just want to encourage you guys and, and myself who are growing in the Lord. He lays down the foundation of the hope that we have in God. Listen, and then he begins to double click and extract on those who have the hope in God and who now produce a holiness for God. This is how it has to be. If you rest your hope firmly on the foundation that is Jesus Christ in God, God expects from you a holiness in your life. Now, how many of you guys are 100% holy right now? 100% holy right here? In and of your own flesh, like you're just batting a thousand, like you, okay, I'm gonna give you a little bit of anybody, in case I miss somebody, maybe somebody behind the pole over here. Nobody! Because we're in that process time. We're growing. And, and what a better time to study 1 Peter than in the January 2021 and he's gonna to give to us today, if we can get there right around in verse three of chapter two, he's gonna to give to us the way to grow properly throughout the rest of your life. I'll just tell you in case we don't get there. The way we grow properly the rest of our life is the exact same way you got saved once and for all, and it was through the power of God's word, through the activation of God's spirit. We were born again, not with corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. How many of you guys are born again here this morning? You're born again, woo! Okay, seven of you, that's awesome. Altar call is going to be powerful today. Man, if you're born again by the word of God through the spirit of God, woo! well, now what? Now you need the word of God, listen, and the spirit of God, not to stay saved as if that's your problem. You will be saved. Once saved, always saved. But the way you were saved is the exact same way that you will find yourself growing. You're gonna grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow. And you'll. And you'll. Sorry. You guys gotta help me out here. Here's the deal. Do you have hope in Jesus? Then the next step is your holiness. How long do you have to do this? Until you die. That's good news, by the way. You don't have to have it all figured out by the end of the sermon today. You don't have to make your big New Year's resolutions and you're never gonna do this again and you're always gonna do that again and you're never gonna fail. You don't have to do that, but instead you have to read your Bible and pray every day and you will grow, grow, grow. This is the good news. This is the blessed assurance of our hope that is founded upon Christ and his finished work. But now, I'm gonna read verse 17 so you don't think I'm making this up. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Get after it. If you're saved, man, act like it. Live like it. My pastor said something one time that I don't know if is theologically correct, but applicationally is clear. He said, some people just get saved better than others. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, some people, when they get saved, they just get it. And they just, they go all in. They don't just get saved and then go right back to their old lifestyle. They get saved and they get saved better than others. Now, again, there's a theological argument that could happen there at a coffee house later, but I want you to understand that. How did you get saved? 
Did you get saved from the fires of hell and here's the line and you got rescued back and you spend the rest of your wandering days here in fear walking towards that line just wondering how close you can get? There it is. I'm not gonna go over the line. I'm saved. But I'm gonna be right next to it. (laughs) Guys, this is the process. And I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you like Peter would. I remember when I went to college in 1997 and I got to SOU and and as I was settling in, I went to this one grassy knoll and I sat down with my journal and I was just watching late August, early September, all these students and post-graduates from high school walking around and, and I just had this thought. I was like, where are all the adults? I saw a bunch of kids, myself included. I was like, this is not gonna end well. All these kids who thought they were, they're on their own. I was like, whoa. Four months later, I'd be arrested for fake IDs and everything that goes along with it. And after I began processing with the state of Oregon in that way and paying my fines, and, and I found myself at a drug house one day, a, a drug house where drugs were used and sold, and, and be that as it may, the house was in my name. It was under my rental agreement. It was, it was my house. And, and I remember one time we were doing what we do in that house, and Jesus Christ came up, the conversation of the Lord. And I remember this one particular girl, she said, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for my sins, and I'm forgiven and he's written a check for everything I've done wrong. Here's what she said next. And I'm gonna cash that check, and I'm gonna do everything I wanna do. And it was at that point I heard her train of thought and logic that she believes that she had been paid for, lock, stock, and barrel, and therefore she was gonna have fun. Now, while I was acting out that same narrative, deep in my soul at that moment in time, I knew different. Jesus had paid for my sins too. And I had to get out of that house. Everything I was doing was wrong and sinful and rebellious and carnal and fruitless and damaging. I knew that. I wasn't trying to get away with as much as I could because I thought that was the right thing to do. I was doing that because I was wrong. And I want to encourage you. That was 23 years ago. And 23 years later, I still look at the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for dying for me. Would you continue to search the rebellion, the carnality, the sin that remains? Because the hope I have is intended to produce holiness. It's intended to never stop. And here's the good news. Guys, you don't need to freak out and get it all done today. Back in 2011, we moved into our home. It was on April 2nd. I remember the day we moved in. I got pictures from moving day. We built the house from the ground up. And on those, that day we moved into our house, there's pictures of our front yard, which was all mud and rocks, and there was no fence and no landscaping and no stuff, and the walls were bare. And, all, and we just moved in, and we lived there. It's our home. And for the last 10 years now, we've been living there and growing. And things are much different than they were 10 years ago because once you start to build and inhabit that space, as bare as your life might be and as messed up as your Christianity may look, the good news of Jesus Christ, he says, just dwell with me, just live. And in that house, there's been growth and my three kids are now older and I see things happen. I wanna encourage you this morning. Peter goes on to say in verse 18, He says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, he addresses them. He says, you guys weren't redeemed with vain things. This word redeemed would actually strike a note with the group that was reading it first. There were 60 million slaves in Rome at that time. 
And many of these people reading were slaves and knew what it meant to be redeemed from slavery. Where if you had fulfilled your contract or raised enough money or been bought at a higher price, you could be delivered from your master and walk in freedom. He uses the same word here. You who are now believers, you've been delivered. You're no longer slaves. Not with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Guys, if you need any kind of encouragement to go deeper, go further, go faster, and walk with the Lord and set down the things of this world, look to the cross. The precious blood of Jesus cleanses you. It's been poured out for me. He makes sure we understand that. In verse 18, he also helps us to understand that the corruptible things like silver and gold, they're aimless. I was thinking about the word aimless and what it means to live aimless. I've done some contract work before and labor and one thing I remember doing was digging a hole in the wrong spot. You ever done that before? You imagine digging a huge hole, manual labor, you dig it like, oh, it's a cool hole, man. It's not in the right spot though. You gotta fill it back in and start over and it's aimless. And some of the things that we live for and hope for, especially in the traditions of our fathers, what are you doing? You're aiming in the wrong direction without pulling his punches. Peter here says, man, make sure that where you're aiming is the right spot. You aim one of us in the right spot, man, we're gonna give it all we got. It's Jesus Christ. It's not the things of this world that are temporal, but the things that are eternal. He says in verse 19, how are you redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot? Here he brings us back to the Old Testament, the blood sacrifice of a spotless lamb. Goes all the way back into the Old Testament where the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt. And you remember they took a lamb into their house there before the death angel would pass over, over the Passover celebration. And they would take that lamb privately into their home and for 14 days they would keep it there. On the 14th day, they would cut its throat, catch its blood, and apply it to the doorpost of their home. Here's what he's saying. How are you redeemed? Through the precious blood of the lamb. And for some of you, that relationship is still private. You haven't put it on the outside of your house. You take that lamb in your house, I'm a Christian, nobody knows it, but me and the Trinity, it's the, the holy amigos, and you know, I haven't, take that blood, he's saying, and apply it to the outside, not just the inside. It's gotta be public and private. Verse 20, he says, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Stop right there, Nazareth, and please understand this. Throughout the scriptures, we see that God's plan of redemption was foreordained. And here, Peter says it specifically, before the foundation of the world. You see, Jesus and Peter had spent time together. Jesus had revealed things to Peter that could only be revealed from heaven. And Peter had a deeper understanding. If you're here today, you're like, really? From the foundation of the world? Before everything began, God said, you know how we're gonna do this whole thing? Before it all began, through my son and his sacrifice and his blood. How many of you guys think that maybe, just from time to time, you're like, yeah, maybe the cross was a plan B. Things got out of control in the garden. They didn't know what to do. And ah, Jesus, can you save us? Can you, you know, from the beginning. And here's how I wanna apply that to your life and my life. Because sin is so destructive. See, here's what sin does. Sin will take you further than you wanna go, keep you longer than you wanna stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay every single stinking time. And don't you just hate sin? I got all kinds of problems in my life, okay? And the major one is sin. Sin destroys. Understanding, however, though, that the plan and the redemption and the solution 
And my rescue was foreordained from the foundation of the world helps me battle against sin. If you're battling right now against sin, you can't forgive yourself, you can't forgive that person, you can't understand how this went that way. Can I just remind you, God knew before time began that that was gonna be the case. There's no sin that caught him off guard. Like, what is Luke doing now? Oh no, Jesus, was there enough in your account to cover that? Nothing catches him off guard. I say that to say this, forgive yourself and forgive others. Jesus forgave you before the first being was ever created. Sin is so sneaky. It's got talons. It just holds you down. Do not let it hold you down. You have been set free. Apply the blood. Plead the blood. The foundations of the world. He says in verse 21, through him, believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So your faith and hope are in God. Stop right there, eyes up here. Verse 21, he says him, 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 so you can believe in God. I think we understand as we get this here, we have a whole slew of shirts over there that say Jesus is real, Jesus saves, Jesus changes everything. There's a shirt over there that says Jesus, 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 because we just didn't know what to say. It's like all about Jesus. I'm gonna read verse 21 again, because it says right here, who through him, that's Jesus, believe in God, who raised him, that's Jesus, from the dead, and gave him, that's Jesus, glory, so that your faith and hope were in God. Stop right there, eyes up here. Jesus is the answer. It's all about Jesus Christ. When I lived in Ashland for a time, I had this little car, this little Ford Taurus, this tan Ford Taurus with some man, light tan uh, carpet. Man, that thing was ugly as sin, but we used that thing for Jesus glory, right? And on the back of it, I had all kinds of bumper stickers, trust Jesus and Jesus loves you and get saved. And I had one bumper sticker that said, Jesus is the answer. I remember one time I was at the town pump there in Ashland, the guy's pumping the gas and he's like, huh, what's the question, bro? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, your sticker says Jesus is the answer. What's the question? Oh, and he thought he was funny. I was like, Everything, man. What's your question? Jesus is the answer. Oh, how, I'm gonna read it again. I want you to see this. Because right now you got, struggle, you got struggles in your marriage. You got struggles in your holiness. You got struggles in your hope, struggles in your peace. You got struggles all over the place. What's the answer for you? What do you need right now? He says it in verse 21, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Why? So that way your faith and hope are in God. The very fact that the tomb is empty, that Jesus rose from the dead, your greatest enemies are sin, which he has conquered, and death, which you cannot escape, and he too has conquered that. You have nothing to fear. He is the answer to everything, and he's writing to the people group there in Rome and in modern-day Turkey, in Asia Minor, who were living in a corrupt area where things were coming unglued, and he says, guys, we got it figured out. Verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Stop right there, eyes up here. I got that word since underlined and circled. We're getting into now an application point. He's saying, because you did this, since you did this, since you now believe in these things, here's what I want you to do, and he gives us a takeaway. Since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Stop right there, eyes up here. You've heard this before. That's not new. But faith, love, and hope remain, and the greatest of these is love. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, if you can tell the future, if you can perform miracles, he said, if you can write big checks, super benevolent, super kind, he said, if you know everything, but don't have love, he said, you have nothing. Now, how many of you guys want to run a wrestle with that? I'm like, well, that's not, not really what he meant. How many of you guys think love is enough? Like, is it enough? Well, no, I gotta, I gotta be right. I gotta make sure they know I'm right. I gotta be in charge. I gotta be justified. I gotta, I gotta be cared for. I gotta be protected. I, love. Here, Peter is saying, because of all these things, gird up the loins of your mind is where we began last week. He's saying, since you've purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, in other words, since you're saved, how did you purify your souls? By believing in Jesus Christ. Oh, cool. So you're completely forgiven, set free, your debt has been paid? Yeah, all right. Then I want you to love the brethren. Read, read verse 22. Let's just go ahead and, and make sure we understand these words he uses. He says, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. He says, pure heart, sincerely and fervently. Those are all adjectives to describe what type of love. Okay, this is a purposeful love. When he says a fervent love, the word fervent there literally means to stretch out your hands as far as you can. Okay, as far as you can. You ever seen your kids try and get picked up? They come over to you and they stretch it. You know. And the idea is effort. It would be the same word used in application or description of an athlete who accomplishes something great. You ever seen these athletes like Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan or LeBron James? You're like, man, these guys are just, they're natural phenoms. They're just good. Okay, there's some truth to that. But then you look at the way that they have fervent effort to become the best. Unparalleled. Unparalleled discipline. And here he says, you know what I want you guys to do? Love in that same way, with a sincere heart, fervently. I'm just gonna give you guys permission right now. Okay, 2021, January, I'm gonna give you permission to love those who won't love you back. We're so conditional. I used to love that person. They stopped loving me. Now I don't love them either. I mean, how many people do you have in your list that are like that? Like, eh, yeah, I don't talk to that person anymore. Why not? Eh, they got mean to me, so I became mean back. They blocked me on Facebook, and so now I don't like them. And the Bible says to pray for my enemies, so I pray that they get arrested. Whatever. By the way, he uses the word love twice here, and he uses two different words. I'm gonna read it to you, you guys need to understand this. He says, since you've purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently. In sincere love, that word is Philadelphia, where we get our brotherly love. We're brothers and sisters. I got three kids that are sitting in the back there, and they're pretty good kids. Probably gonna keep them. Not gonna get rid of them. They're pretty good. And, and they have a brotherly love, a sisterly love. They have love for each other. And, and you guys know who have raised kids. Sometimes it gets, you know, intense. And It's called a phileo love. Where I just love you. But then he uses a different word in verse 22. He says, love, sincerely, love of the brethren, love one another in fervent, fervently with a pure heart. That word love is agape. It's where we get the word, not brotherly love horizontally, but an agape love towards others, which means unconditional, undeserved, unmerited, unrestricted love. 
And that's what the stretching out of your hand towards those who disagree with you and who are different than you, listen, and who have dissed you. Can you imagine getting this from Peter? You're like, Peter, you don't know me. You know, I'm not gonna love that person. He says, well, you're of the same family. You're of the brotherhood. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. When the Lord sees the church dwell together in unity with love, it's like oil running down Aaron's beard. Because if you wanna do anything different in 2021, let bygones be bygones and you become the bigger person. Wouldn't this be incredible? If you loved people unconditionally, in sincere, fervent, agape love, neighbors, kids, spouses, teachers, employers, other churches, enemies. He tells us how we do it. Look at verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. Guys, stop right there, eyes up here. He tells us how we're gonna do this in verse 23. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. In other words, what he's saying is, is the word of God that bore you again, that made you alive, is alive itself. You guys know this, right? This book is alive, okay? It's active and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Anything that has life in itself has the capability, capacity, and the structure, listen, to produce more life. Life produces life. It's just the principle now, some of you out there are thinking, that's just a book, Luke. That's just uh, some paper, and it's two-dimensional. It's black and white with a few maps. Let me tell you differently. This word, accompanied by God's spirit, is how you were born again. And this word, accompanied by God's spirit, is how you are going to continue to produce fruit moving forward in 2021. If his word and his spirit are powerful enough, not corruptible, but incorruptible to give you new life spiritually so you never die, go to heaven when you pass this life and live for him, how much more so than in the day-to-day grind when you listen, Philippians 2.12, work it out. When you work out your salvation, when you read your Bible and pray every single day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Guys, he warns us, he says in verse 23, having been born again, not of the corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives, circle that, and abides forever because all the flesh is as grass. And he talks about the flesh and the grass and the flowers and how they just fade away. Have you seen this before? Man, flowers are so cool. Grass is so cool. My grass was cool before the rains came. Okay, now it's just a mud bog. Man, all this stuff's gone and the grass and the the flowers, and they bloom, but they're not there forever. But he contrasts that with the word of God, which will remain forever and ever. In other words, don't get caught up in the fading things. This is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Everything around us will fail. Everything around us will fade. Look at verses one through three, and we're gonna end with these thoughts. Guys, I want you to get excited. Last week, I was really excited after the message, and then I went home and forgot everything I preached and had to work hard to stay saved all, all week. And Every time I study, I'm like, this is so good. This is so stinking good. And I'm so grateful for God's grace in my life. 
But I do believe that the time is waning. The time is at hand, my friends. We studied the book of Revelation for about a year and a half, and in the book of Revelation, the primary message is that God will indeed shake up the world in order to wake up the world, in order to make up the world, in order to take up the world. That's his whole prerogative. He's gonna do that. We won't be there. We'll be raptured when all that happens, but here we are being shook. Last night, my entire house was shaking. Lord, is this it? He's like, no, not yet. And if you've been shook and if you've been whooked, God is now making you. And he wants to do a deeper work. And really, the ball's in your court. A lot of people do New Year's resolutions in January and New Year, New Year's things, and I just applaud that. Do it. Why not? Well, because I failed the last 300 years trying, bro, you know? Didn't work. Do it again. Do it again. God's grace is sufficient for your needs. I've done two workouts so far in 2021, okay? Today's my rest day. I went on a run yesterday, four and a half mile run in the woods. The wind was only blowing like 32 miles an hour. It's like, it's a perfect day to go run in the woods. I questioned my motives. I would encourage you guys. Here's what he says, verses one through three. Therefore, laying aside all envy, I'm sorry, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Because the first thing he says for you and to me is to lay down some stuff. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all envy, all evil speaking. Because we could go through these one at a time, I'll just hit on them quickly. He says, lay aside all malice, that's just evil. That's not, you guys are the 9 a.m. crowd. Hopefully you guys checked out your evil early on. You know, you moved out of that drug house. You broke up with that person. You stopped looking at that on the internet. You stopped, that's evil. Break that off, okay? When I first started coming back to the Lord, I had in my life what I called the big five. Drugs, alcohol, smoking, chewing, and girls. And girls that did all those four things. That's kind of funny. And I began to one at a time through effort and energy fervently reach out my hands to Jesus and say, Lord, break the addiction and the chains and the struggles and the rut patterns that I formed for myself. And I remember when I finally, after years and tears, got all those in order, at least to the degree where I could move away from that lifestyle, it's as if the Lord says, cool, good job. Now we can start working on your character. And I was like, my character was evidenced by all of that stuff, Lord. He's like, eh, that's just outward. Let's begin now the long process of the inward. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe that big five, you got some stuff on the outside, man, deal with that stuff. But I've tried to quit smoking. I've tried to quit drinking. I've tried to quit looking at the stuff. Try and fight until you win. Don't quit. Get a partner, get a crew, become a slayer. Don't ever stop. Why settle for less? Therefore, he says in verse one, laying aside all malice and all deceit. This is just that weird deceitful, carnal. He says hypocrisy. We think a Christian who sets out to do something great and yet fails, we often call them hypocrites, or at least other people do. I, I usually call those people humans. Okay, you ever set out to do something great and you fail? Hmm, you must be human. A hypocrite is somebody who actually wants you to think differently than they actually are. The word here is taken from drama and theater, 
in those days, and because they didn't have lots of actors and actresses, an actor or actress would play the parts of many different characters. And so they would come out with a mask on, Hippocritus, a mask, and they would pretend they were this person. They would go back and change and come out, and they would play the characters of many characters, one person. And it's as if some people want to put a mask on and say, I want you to think of me this way, and then I'm going to, with these people, think of me as this way. And he says, no, no, stop that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Who are you? Take the mask off. I've spent years masked up, not the kind of mask we wear now. Wanting certain friends of mine to think I'm a certain way and protecting my image around other. I don't want them to think I'm too much of a Jesus freak. These guys don't love Jesus, so I'm gonna put Jesus on the, in the you know, put him in my, my glove box. I'm gonna leave him here. I'm not gonna take him to work with me today. He says, no, let all that hypocrisy, envy. Guys, we could talk about envy and I don't really have time to, but I'm just gonna hit it real quick. Be careful. Careful on social media. Careful on Pinterest. Facebook, all, all that's envy. Did you know that? It's all just envy. Even when you see people in distress and their lives falling apart, okay, you're, 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 you're ha- it's malice. You're, you're happy they're, they're in that situation. It's weird stuff. If you wanna get serious, young people especially, and you who know your addictions to social media, it's not normal, just so you guys know. If you wanna be the ETWs that God wants us to be, the end time warriors, okay, the last generation before Christ returns, you have to look at what the last generation is dealing with and put it into its proper categories and say, I wonder if this is a distraction. Social media, internet, all these things that are now brand new on the scene, we have no idea how it's gonna impact our spiritual journey. It's gonna mess you up. It's gonna render you fruitless. Now you'd be your own boss. I'm not gonna inspect your fruit. Don't look at mine. He says, lay all this stuff aside, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As I was thinking about this last one this morning, evil speaking. I just pray that the Lord would convict us all over the things we say behind closed doors. God's given to us a white picket fence to put over our tongue, hasn't he? Keep that tongue back. It's a built-in cage. There it is. May the Lord convict us. Final thoughts and we're done. He says, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. He now says, you know what I want you guys to do? Lay down all that stuff. And you pick it back up, lay it down again. It's okay. Pick it, put it down. But what I want you to do is as a newborn babe desires milk, I want you to have that same desire for the word that you may grow thereby. You guys ever seen a baby that's hungry before? They let everybody know. They will let you know at two in the morning, four in the morning, six in the morning. They, they will not stop until they get what they want because they have a desire for mother's milk that they might grow. And if they don't get that milk, they don't grow. And Peter says, hey, here's the deal. I want you guys to desire the word of God the same way that a baby desires milk. Let me just ask you a quick question. How's your desire right now for God's word in 2021? If you don't have a desire for God's word, it is because you are full of the things that he listed previously in verse one. I guarantee you. I actually wanna encourage you. Maybe you, I wanna read the Bible, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't Luke, I'm gonna be honest, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even enjoy it. I like it when you preach and when you teach, it's kind of fun and it's entertaining and sometimes you're funny and sometimes you're not, but I, I, I don't read the Bible. I just don't. There are so many Christians today that don't read the Bible. They've done statistics that say that if you read the Bible once per week, it will have no impact on your life. 
Twice a week, same. Three times a week, same in the people that they polled. Four times a week, things begin to shift. You're less likely to sin, less likely to stress, less likely to freak out. Why? Because Christ's word takes a majority in your week as opposed to a minority. It's the majority. Hey, wouldn't this be awesome if you guys did your five by five reading program? It just went crazy. What are you gonna do in 2021 different? What are you gonna do? We're in the Gospel of Mark right now, chapter three. This morning I was reading, it was so good. So good, Jesus Christ. And Mark, Mark will end in about 14 chapters, it's a, or 16 chapters, it's a, short, it's a short book, and then we're gonna read the book of Acts, beginning on the 23rd, and you're gonna see Peter's life. How did you grow, Peter? What was it like for you? You wanna grow? Last thought, he says, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. One of my favorite verses to memorize and to quote is Psalm 34, 8. I'll read it to you guys. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You ever been to Costco before and they got those samples there at the end cap and you're like, oh, what's that? I should have had lunch before I came. I'm gonna get a hot dog in a minute, but that looks good. And you grab one of those samples and you're like, what is this? Where is this? How much is this? And the person's conveniently, it's right here, sir. You know, and you throw three in your cart. You get home and your wife's like, why'd you buy this? You know what I'm saying? You've been there before, right? I've been there before. And the idea is that once you taste of the Lord in his graciousness, if you've tasted of the Lord, then what in the world are you doing dabbling in the things of this world that we live in now? What are you doing? Has the Lord been gracious to you? Has he been kind to you? He's been so kind. Put your trust in him. Take your fullness in him. And I wanna encourage those who are here who maybe are stunted, those who are stalled out, those who are stopped. You went through worship and you're looking at Pastor Ryan leading us and getting in the spirit. You're like, I just wanna, I know I'm in the right spot, but I just don't feel it. Maybe you're in Mark chapter three with me. You're like, I just don't feel it. Lay aside all these other things and create an appetite for God's presence and God's spirit. I'm gonna pray a blessing on us right now. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes as we conclude the service in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my friends that are here gathered, those who are at home watching online. Lord, and those of the body of faith throughout the world, the ministry partners we learned about today that are serving you and making your name known in Cambodia and Modesto and Costa Rica and Mexico and Lebanon, Lord, and here in Lincoln City and Newport and all over the place. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you forgive us for holding on to such funny things, malice and evil speaking and envy smaller things. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, a conviction from the Holy Spirit, Lord, an awakening from the word of God that you would create in us a new appetite. In Jesus' name, if you want a new appetite, would you raise up your hands to the Lord right now? Just say, Lord, I need a new appetite. Lord, I've been snacking on the things of the world. I just, I don't even have an appetite. I need, I need to have my palate recalibrated spiritually. Raise up your hands right now. Jesus, would you recalibrate our palate? Would you give us a new hunger for your word? Lord, I pray you can put your hands down. My hand is still up though, Lord, because I want you to do this work in me. I repent of the ways, Lord, that I've been snacking on the things of this world. Would you restore to us the joy of the Lord? 
And would you make it so that we, we have tasted of you because you've been gracious to us. We put our trust fully in you. Lord, do crazy things in our lives, Lord, in the innermost secret places that, Lord, you might be pleased and that the world around us might see that fruit born in 2021. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys.